The Melbourne Victory Football Club is a diseased, rotting carcass right now, and you are tuning in to the Coroner's Report. This is the only place in the world that will dedicate an hour to dissecting and pathologising all things Melbourne Victory. We're going to get the scalpel out this week, and it's going to be brutal, because right now, it really is a case of for fuck's sake, over here at for fuck's sake. Eddie Current Suppression Ring, that song, our introduction, great Melbourne band. They talk about weighing up the pros and the cons. Well, this week, we've mainly got cons to weigh up, and I'm not talking about Greeks. My name is Dave, FVS Chief Pathologist. Joining me is the man of the people, Budza. Mate, we're bringing in a bit of a medical autopsy theme this week. What do you want to be? Uh, I want to be the coroner. I want to. I want to investigate this absolute rotting corpse. I want to investigate the crimes against football and the uh, the carcass that's laid out in uh, the uh, the Melbourne Sporting Precinct, which is this big corporate trash bag at the moment named Melbourne Victory Football Club. Um, look, it's a bit cooler today. We had a little mini heat wave in Melbourne from about Thursday to, and it was nice and humid yesterday. And I thought today we'd get a bit of respite with cool change, but it has been nothing but a furnace in Melbourne Victory Land. It's hot, hot, hot. hot. Yeah. And this week we also have a very special returning guest. He's a good pal of ours and one of the four horsemen over at the uh, Destruction in the Box podcast. Clarky, welcome back to FES. Do you want to be the Grim Reaper this evening? Uh, Thank you very much for having me, guys. Sure, I'll... uh... I'll get involved in this uh, autopsy slash funeral <laughs> procession slash preparing for the apocalyptic world that is being a Melbourne Victory supporter. Are we spoilt here? You know, like we fucking won a lot of trophies and everything like that. We have a couple of bad seasons and we're all in the doldrums here. Are we spoiled? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, we just expect more and we should be getting more. Simple as that. It's been on the cards for a while. I was saying to you just off air before, it's when you when you roll in the you know, in the hobby that we do, which is independent fan media, um, it's fifty percent, you know, oh maybe it's thirty percent uh insight, thirty percent hunch and thirty percent of the bleeding obvious and um Sometimes you've got to run with it, and unfortunately, it's amazing when the one thing that you've been talking about and speculating on for a couple of years about a boys' club and um, a corporate attitude that couldn't give us stuff about football and, uh, uh, let's say, a, a wannabe AFL club that's uh, completely imploding from a lack of nous and um, you know an absolute revolving door of staff internally... Um, it's all true. 
And that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And look, so the fa- the past few weeks at, at FVS, we've done our best, I, I believe, to shine a light on this downward spiral. We genuinely believed, or at least I hoped, that things were potentially going to turn around against Newcastle. It was kind of like the line in the sand moment for the club. But it turns out, boys, there's a whole new sub-level to this fucking hellscape. Uh, we lost again. We lost at home. Our board today imploded with the news, the big, big news of Richard Wilson's resignation from that board. And, of course, we've been hit by yet another spate of injuries to key players. I think there's more uh, Connor Payne ahead, boys. Things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, It almost seems laughable that last season we were like, well, we've hit rock bottom you know, we can only go up from here. Uh, we haven't hit rock bottom yet, not even this season. We've still got a way to go. I think Wednesday should be very interesting as well. Um, and we'll just see how we go. But we're uh, staring down the barrel of some sort of Central Coast-esque gutter occupation for a while, I think, unless there's a clean out from the top down. Fish rots at the head, boys. Look, um Today's show is just an absolute fucking bonanza. We're obviously going to talk a lot about the board stuff that went down today, if you missed that news. Uh, It wasn't just someone leaving. There was parting shots applied as they were leaving. Now, in addition to that, we're going to discuss a few things that are happening around the league as well. But we've broken some news today at FVS as well about the new kit apparel sponsor um pretty pleased to be able to finally do something kind of newsy even though we're a bunch of amateurs but that's fun uh and look we've also got something that's pretty damn big uh an fvs exclusive we've been given a list of the managers or potential managers that the vuck knocked back before appointing Grant Brebner. That's going to be an eye-opener. couple of the pleasantries, just to get them out of the way, I want to briefly mention the Patreon stuff. Uh, we've had a few new people join on, and James Barclay upped his pledge to $15 per podcast. That actually gets James a spot on the podcast. Good on you, James. Uh, Dylan Fachi as well has joined. Thank you very much. And uh, Tim Johns. Now, um, the forums, look, the forums, I'm not going to say anything other than right now, it's wild. It is just amazing. Budza, you've been all over it. Yeah, it's been an emotional day. It's been heavy. People are... (laughs) It's been emotional. It's been emotional, man. Like, that was actually getting a bit... It was was getting really tough um, after that game last night. I think there's... um, People going into bat for the players, people spewing about the state of affairs. Uh, Anthony DiPietro's got voodoo dolls being made of him. They're burning effigies of Trent Jacobs. Um, you know, R.I.P. Lamana direct shops going around town in the northern suburbs. Um, it's 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 been quite hectic. Um, hard to look today, and 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 you know. We were kind of mulling over how we go about this podcast and 
probably the future podcast, let's say, for the next two or three because the future doesn't look bright. And Dave and I have, you know, we've been powering on the last few weeks, but it gets a bit tough to, you know, take the stance that we've taken of, you know, wait and see, it's not Breb's fault, like, you know, bide the time, which is very unusual for me to want to take that stance, but I have. But then it's just like, shit, what are we going to talk about? So the listener Q&A was a great idea and we thought we'd get maybe 45 minutes out of this podcast and then this morning, all hell broke loose. So this one's gone for over an hour, easy. <laughs> oh, how could I have forgotten the listener Q&A? That was like, oh, what are we going to do? Uh, like this morning and late last night, we are like, oh, shit, we're, it's going to be another grim podcast. Uh, let's, how are we going to fill out the time? Mm. Let's do a listener Q&A. Totally forgot about that. We were bombarded um, with questions on both Facebook and Twitter, some brilliant questions that we're going to do our best to get through as many of those as we can. Now, gentlemen, the music theme for this week, Clarky, you are the inspiration behind the music theme this week. Tell us all about it. Oh, thank you very much. I'm honoured to have this uh, this duty. So, given your intro with autopsies, post postmortems, four horsemen of the apocalypse, all that sort of stuff, it has to be a music theme centred around impending doom, the end of the world, and the apocalypse. Perfect, perfect. And I've seen the list of songs and I just could not be happier. That's wonderful. (laughs) This is about as big as it gets, Vuckers. Strap yourselves in. This is For Vuck's Sake. Sleep and sleep again. Might as well stay in. Another happy day. I mentioned the Patreon before and how we had a few new people sign up. A bit of an update on our competition. We got our hands on a PS5. So somehow Jace has managed to How much did you pay over retail? Oh, we got it retail. We've been on a waiting list for... Yes. We've been on a waiting list for about 10 weeks since Christmas. 
since oh, just you've before done well, Christmas, ben. we got on a we got on a waiting list. So I think Target came through for us. Oh. Fucking Target, that is awesome. And guess what? <laughs> Next week's podcast, we are announcing the winner of the PS5. So if you've been a Patreon that signed up during that specified time, there's going to be one lucky Patreon to take away a PS5. That's insane. Okay, gentlemen, Amy Park, Newcastle Jets. A 1-0 loss. We said we weren't going to spend too much time on this because it was a pretty depressing outcome uh, and we wanted to focus more on the Q&A stuff, but we certainly need to spend a little bit of time on it. We want to talk about the big talking points, the more the fact that we had more injuries, some of the player performances, the Broxham captaincy issue, and of course, Grant Bredbner's very sombre post-match press conference. Who wants to kick it off? Uh, I can. It was a disgraceful first 20 minutes. It was the most disgusting first 20 minutes I've ever seen as a Melbourne Victory fan. Um, and that probably is only it only bettered probably the I think it was a January 4th game 2012 Mehmet Durakovic's last game away to Central Coast as the worst I've ever seen yeah you're absolutely right just the intensity when you when you're down at the bottom of a table you expect your team even if they can't compete on a maybe a skill level or a tactics level just to go out there and and show some bloody heart and they just they just gave space to the entire midfield of Newcastle and the Port Macquarie Pele in uh, Angus Thurgate and uh, <laughs> and Stephen Ugarkovic just just absolutely had a training session. We were nothing more than training cones for that first twenty minutes. It was disgraceful. And I'm going to jump forward a bit. Um, the reasons for that that were given, if there was a reason to want to sack Grant Brebner. The answer he gave in the press conference was good enough yeah. to be fired on the spot. You're at home against shocking, New- shocking. You're, you're at home against Newcastle, and you're being pressed about why you were so futile that in the funny. first twenty minutes, and to be told that the players were conserving legs to potent- to potentially counter attack to protect the two wide players in McManus. Specifically for McManaman was the example that he gave too much. It was an absolute and utter disgrace. Now, I was also a bit perturbed by the the starting lineup. Um, as we've, you know, waxed lyrical about Willie or won't he, is he any good or is he shit Rudy just dead? I thought him starting on the bench was a bit ridiculous. If you're going to start McManaman, you need to start just dead. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It was like, what's the point of bringing him on when the team's ruined? Um, he's in every little glimpse that we've seen of him so far. He's not really been involved in anything apart from that, you know, header that could have been that he ended up, you know, ultimately doing a hamstring on. What's what's the point of having him on the bench? There is none. Like Melbourne victory struggle to score, so just go hard early and at least try and defend a lead. Yeah. Our entire yeah. game plan is centred around wide areas, get the ball into the big bloke in the box. So if, if you're not going to do that, McManaman's doing all those runs and then it's it's slide rule passes across the box with nobody there to receive it. But the back four of Newcastle who are like, oh, thanks, goodbye. Yeah, yeah and we're targeting triple L for, for these aerial balls in that in that first half. It, it made absolutely no sense for Gestead to not be starting. Um, you got to come out 
home, make at home, make a statement, get that early lead, build some confidence. There was some disgusting, uh, I can't find another word for it, statistics around how much we've been leading so far this season. It was something like four minutes. Yeah, four minutes, something like that. But like, you know, some body language too by a few players, which we'll touch on. But okay, it was great to see Burke and Kedar getting a start. If you're not going to play him in an advanced position, you've got to play a strong midfield to give him some support. And unfortunately, I don't know what Butterfield and Brimmer are actually bringing to the side at the moment. The fan base has turned on Broxham because he's not been bringing anything, and he hasn't been bringing anything. That, that, that's 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 correct, and he's been dropped, and we'll talk about that. But you can see, I, I'm seeing. I am seeing big old the Toivon and vibes out of Robbie Cruz at the same stage last year when Toivon had turned on Kurtz and was, yeah. you know, making some pretty shit, you know, there was some um, you know, shit-stained comments regarding the game Power plans yeah, coming from him. You've, you've seen Cruz in the last two weeks now. He seems to be just sitting there just going, what the fuck is this shit? Um, McManaman's trying his guts out, but for me, like, you know, he started so brightly in the ACL and we thought he was going to get somewhere, but what Jake Brim is an absolute passenger at the moment. It's, it's, it's really hard to just see a guy just trotting around and that might, might be why he never got played at Perth. And that's why he didn't make it at Liverpool. And, you know, the word was, he was a bit of a prima donna at his time here when he was much younger too. Um, there's some, just... there's some downhill skier vibes to him. Now, look, mm. I, I'd like him, and I think there is some talent in there in him, but he's a guy, I think, that can't sort of be uh, an attacking force that will carry a midfield. He needs equal quality around him to sort of feed off, and he, he definitely hasn't got that. And I'm worried We're... for him. Sorry, I'm worried for him, and I'm worried for Burke and Kadar too, because Burke's is 19, Brimmer's 22. They actually need good coaching. Yep. They need they need Nailed good it. coaching and good leaders on the pitch, and they're getting none of that. And it's unfortunately going to be wasted years in their development. Um, I don't like this. Is you know fifty fifty situation with with um, Brebs at the moment, where everyone knows that he's not the right man for the job, and he's you know taken a poison chalice and probably done the club a solid. But it's just fucking just absolutely putting a black hole in this club. And it's difficult for Brebs. I mean, obviously, you said he's been handed a poison chalice, but also the things that he's been brought in for, understanding the Melbourne victory culture, uh, connecting with players, inspiring players. He might not have the technical chops and the experience there, but he's there to know what Melbourne victory is. And that first 20 minutes is not Melbourne victory. I mean, this whole season hasn't been Melbourne victory, but if he can't at least get players wanting to run through a brick wall for him, then he doesn't get what Melbourne victory is or he can't communicate it well enough for the players to then take on those words and at least put in some effort. Yeah, and then if you've got experienced guys like Robbie Cruz just saying, fuck this and and the captain has been benched and then when comes on after an injury, doesn't want the armband and refuses it twice. That so squad, I want to unpack that. That I'll squad is broken. Get into that. It what is, is going on there with him not taking the armband? What's your thoughts there? I think maybe first time Adam is wearing it and he's like, no, you keep it. Like you would have thought that maybe there'd be You're a half. still on. There'd yeah. be a, hu- yeah, there'd be a which half. Which is fine. Yeah. Yep. You're still on. There'd, there'd be a halftime switch over and uh, I'm the captain okay, I'm going to lead by example. I'm the most experienced guy on the field. I am Melbourne victory. Mm. Okay, 
there's no one that embodies the Kevin Musket would have yeah. taken that fucking armband yeah, exactly. in a flash. He, he would have got it before the even game on. <laughs> he's refused it twice and played the game out without it on that. How the fuck do you turn up on Monday and expect the young guys to follow you or listen to you? Mm. This squad is broken, man. And what the fuck is Steve Keane doing? What is he doing? If Brebs isn't the guy, okay, if Brebs is just the guy for the relationships and they've brought in this experienced manager to help with the technical side of things, I'm sorry. If they hand this, if they sack Brebs and hand it over to Keane, I'm not turning up for the rest of the year. You know that's going to happen, though. I know that's, that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a beautiful segue, gentlemen, because not long after the game finished, and we're jumping a little bit ahead, but it was a great opportunity for me to talk about this, The Walker. Now, I take this Twitter account very much with several grains of salt. The Walker agent, or Mr. Walker agent, a shared account. after the game. Goodbye, Grant. Congratulations, Stephen. Subtle way of saying that it's all over for Grant Brebner and Steve Keane will be appointed shortly thereafter. Now, we've just said how that doesn't bode well, it doesn't feel right, etc. But that looks kind of likely, depending on what happens this coming Wednesday, boys. That's on brand for this front office, is it not? Yeah, That's the easy decision. Very this, on brand. This is on brand for Melbourne Victory since the end of Musket. This, this is how it goes down. It's been just shit higher after shit higher. Um, it's cheap and easy. This year is cheap and easy. This is what we're getting. We have Go with ch- what you know. We have a chairman and a CEO and a board that don't know football, don't do football and just want to be this corporate entity that appeases sponsors and gets money coming in from all different channels they keep your powder dry on the board stuff mate we're gonna we're gonna get right into that like <laughs> you would not believe soon enough and i but completely then, agree look, but this the, the, this whole thing is 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 like is steve keen the whole white ending situation i don't believe any of that but it would be just an absolute cop out for us to just appoint him after all this it's brebner's appointment isn't it it is, but the thing I don't get is we've played seven games and we've had an ACL, okay, and sure, we've had a couple of disruptions, but they're professional footballers. How the fuck is this side not fit yet? How have we got so many unfit players? And it's not even about the injuries. None of them look fit. They've got, mm. they're, they're ga- the players are gassed. We got beaten up. By fucking Newcastle Jets, the side that didn't even wasn't even going to be a club at the start of this year, and they've absolutely pantsed us. They're this, owned by other A League clubs. They, right. They've had no signings. They've lost. They lost a, a beanie before the season started. One of their key players. They've absolutely been hemorrhaging on so many fronts. And you know, you would have put us down as an absolute lock for a win in this game and we couldn't even fire a shot. Like, it was just pathetic. We've had three... Pl- we've had our best player in Traore go down. Nick Ants, like, this is how bad we're doing. Nick Ants has been one of our best players for the last two matches. That's grim. Um, That's fucking grim. And you How know, did he even do his hamstring in that in that sequence of play? Like, he kind of... I, I, I was saying that too. He kind of got pulled down. He kind of got his shirt pulled down and he fell down awkwardly. But 
I wouldn't have thought you'd be doing it. Like that that's the kind of like action and, you know, biomechanics where people can do their knees from their foot planting yeah. and turning around, you know. Um, he's found a way to do his hamstring there. Look, Nick, Nick's been playing well. Ryan shot and like he's the only starting defender we've got left going into Wednesday. How the hell are these players just continually going down? Like Lynchy, Lynchy finally went when no no one's gone before in the press conferences and just went said, hard. "Is this public park a problem?" <laughs> like, and, and and he's like, "What's what's different about it, Grant? You trained on it fifteen years ago." Is it the same? And, you know, Prebs is like, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just like, fuck off then. Like, Well, someone if- who walks across it most weeks, it's definitely not the same surface as what they play on. It, it's definitely not. Like, it's a good it's long surface. Grass. But it's, it's not, it's not simu- it doesn't simulate the kind of decks that they play on at Amy That's Park right. or anywhere else in the league. It's ridiculous. Harry Suncorp Kill- Stadium is better than that patch of grass. Harry Kuehl came to this club 10 years ago and said that the facilities at Melbourne Victory, which are the same as what we've got now, are better than what he had at Galatasaray. Bullshit. I, I don't know if that was lip service or what, but, you know, you lip always... Lip Well, Daniel Georgievsky also, when he came here, he'd just come from Dynamo Bucharest, and he, he said our, our facilities were world-class as well. Yeah, there's, there's probably a couple of cows and stuff down at Bucharest, you know, Patrolling the pitch, you know, big, big club, <laughs> mud. big club. I oh, know. Oh, no, make yeah, fun, make, make, fun lead, make fun, make fun, make fun of the Romanians, but um, yeah, big club. Um, but what the fuck is going on? You can't even get the team fit. Like, and this is coming down. Who is running the football program? No one wants to answer it. No who one knows. The, no one knows who there's, runs there's the a football whole bunch program. Of you know, there's there's, there's yeah. been the, the you know the shithousery and you know pissing and moaning about trimmers for years and everyone that's inside goes to lengths to say, no, Paul Trimbol is a great football man and a great football mind and he's not ultimately the decision maker. It's a shared decision. So, okay, Drew Sherman came on the show and talked about being the technical director and Melbourne Victory actually trained kids to not play in the first team and then, you know, retracted his statements and came out and said, I didn't mean what I actually said. And then it's just like... Who the fuck runs the football program? And then, you know, we've heard all this shit, you know, Sherman got the job because of nepotism and then there's trimmers and, oh, no, the board makes the decisions. Or, no, 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 the manager makes the decisions. And it's like, this guy said he didn't want to be a manager and isn't an experienced manager and you're letting him make the decisions. The club's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, even Marco... (laughs) Even Marco Kurz said he didn't know who was recruiting players. He's like, I don't do it. So I don't know who does. Talk to somebody else. But I mean, obviously, the strength and conditioning has been a part a problem with this this club probably since Anthony Creer left. But then, what do we do to combat that? We don't get in a good strength and conditioning department. We we sign players with horror injury records and go, oh, they'll be fine. So it's it's from both sides. It's like the department's probably not up to scratch, but we're also bringing back thirty year old busted flushes. It's a an absolute perfect storm of shit at the moment on on off the park on the park on the terraces like everything at the moment is just the pits like 
People don't even want to go to games anymore. That's how bad this is. We are sit like, down, shut up, watch the like, game. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> we're seeing all these scenes from nightclubs and the tennis of fans enjoying themselves, standing up, you know, carrying on. The A League's getting bloody treatment. Not just in Melbourne, we saw some stuff in, in in New South Wales as well. Like it's the pits at the moment to be a Melbourne Victory fan. And look, I get it. That's football. Up and down, and all the fans want. I'm telling you, all the fans, all the fans want, is the club to come out and say we're restricted and hamstrung by government regulations at the moment. We're doing our best. We will fight for our fans, and we will do whatever we can. And just know that as soon as we can get it back to normal, we will. But what we've had is nothing. Typical Melbourne yeah. victory, nothing. It's this just, is one it, thing that has been bubbling away in our chats, uh, Buds, uh, with a few other people about how much effort is the club going to when it comes to, you know, the, you, know you see those big black tarps that are sitting there in the north and south We can't even put end. a Melbourne Victory logo right. on them. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. So we see that at the moment and... The, the club, you know, I've, I've heard on good authority that the club have been, you know, and other clubs too, because it's the same for Western United and the same for Melbourne City, unable to have active support. And, you know, we see all this other stuff happening on the background. The club silent, the FFA silent, the, the, the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, you know, I, I'm over giving them the excuse of, oh, it's transition and, you know, it's like they're still taking over the reins. Fuck that now. Like, come and take some authority and take some charge and deal with these agencies that are, keep stepping on the face of football fans all over the country. It's fucked up. I'm over it. But the board's not going to come in and fight for the fans because that's not what they do anymore. They they make sure that all their mates are, are taken care of and all the pockets are lined. And if, if that's taken care of, then it's like, oh, well, the fans will still come. Like, that's, that's what it seems like yeah. the attitude is. And, and yeah, I warn you again, keep your powder dry. We've got, we've got, we've got to get into that board. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to come in off the long run, I'll tell you what. And like, we are fired up tonight. So, I'd, I'd say that's probably enough to talk about the game. And we had some balls of steel votes, which were which were wonderfully covered by our fans. And um, we had three for Ryan Shotton, best performance so far from Melbourne Victory. Two for McManaman. He was unreal best player on the pitch when he was on the pitch and one for Max Crocombe who did his best under some trying circumstances so we've got a leaderboard of um, Adama Traore on 7, Ryan Shotton on 6 and McManaman on 5, thanks for everybody Um, usually we don't get a lot of votes when we have a performance such as what we had on Sunday but we had almost record numbers yesterday and it was a pleasure to count them all for you all (laughs) <laughs> Wonderful. Now, before we uh, close off this segment, I just want to talk very briefly about the Brebner post-match preza. I don't know if you boys saw it. I'm guessing you did. It was downcast. It was There was a shakiness in his voice. He's feeling the pressure. He really is, and I feel for him. Yeah, I absolutely feel for him. I mean, we've already covered that. He didn't want this. He's been handed a poison chalice. He, he doesn't like this. Uh, any more than any of us or any of the fans do either. But he's just, he's the sacrificial lamb that's been put up for the slaughter. And again, he's the one who's going to go while the board still sits there. And again, we'll get onto the board and all that, but (laughs) I feel for Brebs. He's not up for it. Bless him. No one's going to turn that job down. Like, 
No one in their Fuck right no. mind is going to turn it down. He took it. He's not up for it really on that technical level, but I really feel for him. Yeah, I mean, he's, his brand's being damaged. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I think we're a pretty impatient, somewhat feral fan base uh, the best of times, even when we're winning. And I think the majority of the fans can see through this one. Mm. Yeah, that was very much the vibe on a lot of the mainstream press today. So this news, you know, that, that happened today and Melbourne Victory is now mainstream because we suck. So that's where we're at. And let's leave that game behind. We're going to get on to our listener Q&A in just a moment. Listen to Q&A, this has been a bonanza again because everyone's thinking all sorts of things about the VUC right now because this is a pretty bad situation that we're in now. First question comes from Milbury80. Whilst he indeed has his faults, at what point do the fans stop pointing fingers at Brebs and start being vocal at the board, the CEO and the technical director? Clarky. When did they stop pointing the finger at Brebs? They should have stopped pointing the finger at Brebs maybe four to six weeks ago. This is absolutely not on him. And the club's in such disarray that even a good coach probably can't polish this turd. So the finger pointing at the board and the CEO starts yesterday. That question came from Twitter. So we've got a combination of questions from Twitter and from Facebook. Uh over to the next question. Clarky, I believe you're going to fire that one through to Buds. Yeah, this one's from uh, Michael Hong on uh, Facebook. With the stupid COVID rules behind both ends and this insipid football, why should we go on Wednesday and Saturday? Well, there's two schools of thought. I don't want to I don't want to be the person on a fan podcast to say don't go. But if you want to support the boys, then go if you want to vote with your feet and probably hurt this board 
and directors and show the football world how angry you are, don't go. Watch it on TV. Save yourself the money. Save yourself the disappointment. Save yourself the the shit food, the shit beer, and the, let's face it, shit experience from over-policing, over-officiating the double standards in Melbourne with the COVID classifications, Mm. all the stuff that we've talked about before. Don't go. Don't bother. Um, There's a school of thought that an angry stadium yelling, sack the board, sack Di Pietro, um, Fox Sports microphones picking up chants of we're fucking shit will (laughs) change things. I'm not sure they will. If anyone wanted to, you know, if fans wanted to bring banners or TFOs or, you know, disparaging um, signs against the board, I'm sure that security would bring them down. I'm sure that the Fox Sports cameras wouldn't show them. I'm sure you would be ejected. Um, that's probably a given. Um, the only way that this board um, will have, you know, any kind of needle turned is by sponsors getting angry and the bottom line being hit. And the only way you can do that is by not going. Um, it sucks to say that, but um, it's up to you. It's it's really up to you. I'm not telling anyone what they should or shouldn't be doing, but I think that's the two ways that you go about it. Next question uh, from Michael at The Donut King. Oh. We've been having significant injury problems for years now. Do we have the worst conditioning staff in the universe or do we just recruit less durable players? Yes to both parts. Like absolutely our strength and conditioning staff are are terrible. That's clear. And even the way in which it's communicated to fans. Remember last year, ah, Robbie Cruz, oh, he'll be back in two weeks, nine weeks later and all that sort of stuff. Like if he's going to be out for nine weeks, just fucking tell us he's going to be out for nine weeks but yeah the strength and conditioning sucks and then like i love robbie cruz i'm i'm like number two ticket holder at the robbie cruz fan club but questions have to be asked when you're recruiting a 32 year old bloke with the kind of injury record that he has when we need to turn shit around from the season before so i think recruitment sucks where we get injury prone players and yeah it's twofold Yes and yes. Next question comes from Facebook. I think we've already stuffed up our ordering here, but that's okay because we're, we're on, on the beers here and uh, as long as we answer the questions, that's all that matters. How are we so unfit? This is from Rod Tolfo on Facebook. How are we so unfit at this point of the season where we need to play the first 20 minutes to conserve energy? Should we have started off yesterday's game with Gested, McManaman and Cruz to score early, then sub in the younger players later on to run out the game when the players get tired? This is what we touched on earlier. Yeah, uh, I think buds I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one because I want you to answer the next one, Dave. Yeah, uh, we so should have started with those players. Um, if you've got three guys in Gested, McManaman and Cruz that are dynamic and can score goals and they're probably the three most, apart from Nick Ansell, the three most injury-prone guys in the side at the moment on current form, um, get what you can out of them and defend it. Uh, next yeah, question. Start them. Start them. Just, I think that I think that's just, it's just a given, isn't it? You start with your best yeah. side. 
You yeah. give your you give your fans something to be excited about. Um, you give Brenton Speed something to talk about, because him and Andy <laughs> Harper are always short on things to talk about when they commentate a Melbourne victory game. They always just they're always short on a word. Those two morons. So, um, Suter eighty six. Given our current position, proper fucked. What do you consider a par result for the rest of the year? whether it be winning X amount of games or getting X amount of games into the young guys, etc. Now, this podcast has been pretty gloomy and negative, but in answering this question, I'm going to take the, the half-glass full approach to this. There was a season recently where Adelaide United started off, and I think they had got zero points from their first six games, I think it was, I- or roughly... Eight games. Oh, was no, it zero points? It was It was as bad a start as this season is for us. And look, I don't hold any hope based on what I've seen currently that we are going to replicate what Adelaide did. But what we have in our favour right now is that it's still early in the season. There is still enough time for us to, and to answer the first part of the question as to what is a par, the par is making finals. We shouldn't be aiming for anything less, even though we think mm. that the final system is, is is a joke with being a top six. That should be the par. Above that is obviously better than par. Um, so to me, that you know, when it comes to how many games we're going to win, obviously enough to, to reach that par. Um, as for getting games into young players, well, I think at the moment the evidence is that you should be playing the younger players ahead of some of the players that continually disappoint. Uh, and we're mm. seeing that in some areas. So we're seeing that with yeah, uh, you know, Broxham getting dropped. I thought that was the right call. Cam Sober hasn't been near the first team in a couple of weeks now. And so I think you know, the penny's starting to drop a little bit. And you know, we've been blessed this season in the A-League as in general, seeing some of the young talent on display. And potentially, to close off my answer... Our lack of opportunities for younger players in seasons prior is now coming back to bite us. Next question. All right. This one comes from uh, Peter Caulfield on Facebook. Do the players seem disinterested this season? The body language of Robbie Cruz especially has caught my eye lately. Sort of showed me a lot of unease at the club. Yeah, they definitely look, some of them look disinterested. Some of them look lost. And some of them look, by now, uh, Robbie Cruz looks a bit fed up. I don't know whether it's because Robbie Cruz isn't fully fit yet and he's maybe not able to do some of the things he'd like to be doing. But to me, as I said last week, I thought that he probably... Sh- he he was almost armband material, just the way he goes about it. He's the most experienced. He's the smartest. Mm. He is the... Probably up there with the best football intellects in the league. Um, Mm. There are runs that he makes and the space he creates is just no other players are doing that. He just doesn't have the service, unfortunately. But, you know, it's going to get to a point where Butterfield is going to start getting a bit pissed because I'm still not sure he's being deployed in the best possible position, in the best possible formation he can be deployed at. I really, I really think the squad's broken, unfortunately. Next one, I'm going to hand this one over to you, Dave, because you're mentioned in this tweet. Um, <laughs> are we overcoached? 
i.e. too many instructions, players not playing on instinct. It's like football manager. Dave will understand. When you hand out too many personalized instructions and it all falls apart because none of the parts work together. That one's from Nick Garner, um, long-time friend of the pod. Uh, look, truthfully, Nick, I don't know. Um, I don't know what level of instructions the players are given you know, on a, on a match day to, to adequately answer your question. I tend to think no, though. I, I tend to think that the approach that Brebner and Keane are potentially taking at this point in time is not an overcomplicated one. And it shouldn't be. It should be pretty simple. Um, but it's pure speculation on my part. I do know what you mean about football manager, though, mate, because sometimes you can be a tinkerer. You can just send that player there and give that player a, a shout and do all that sort of stuff, and it just all ends up being a muddled mess. So I know exactly where that question's coming from. But sadly, I don't know the answer. Sorry, mate. I just want to jump in... Um and just apologise to Andy Harper for my comment before when I put him in the same category as Brenton Speed um, and called them both morons. I didn't mean that about you, Harps. Harps is great. Like, <laughs> he'll, he'll listen and he'll DM you later, buds. Yeah, well, Brenton Speed's blocked me, so that's why he gets no apology. <laughs> you and everyone oh, else in Australia. approach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to fire this one at you, Clarkie. Uh, this is from Russell John Unit. On Facebook, how has our culture of lazy recruiting by giving ex-VUC players a safe place to land affected where we are now? Yeah, see, this is an interesting one. There's always a lot of chat around the, the Recycle League and Victory Recycling. I don't think the problems with our recruitment lie with the bringing back of players who have proven track records at our club and in the league. I think probably for me that the late or the bad recruiting it's not lazy but the bad recruiting's come in the form of foreigners i think almost every team in this league for the last 15 years has showed that if you get your visa spots and your marquees wrong you're cooked and we, i think we saw it last year with fucking dobras and and, and all the other blokes <laughs> and i've forgotten their names because they're so fucking shit Paulson. um yeah, Paulson, Jesus Christ. He should have just gone straight to a retirement home. Um, but look, I, I haven't had too much issue with the recycling of players, maybe except for this year with Nick Ansel. Uh, that was the big sort of red light for me. I was like, well, mm, I'm not too sure, but hey, he's proved me wrong so far. I don't think it's 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 the recycled players. I think it's, it's the recruitment outside of that and then... I think what we touched on probably a couple before is, is is the lack of youth development. You know, the the best time to play youth is when you're at the bottom and there's no expectations to win. Victory's probably been a victim of that because they've always kind of been competitive mm, in there and thereabouts. And it's hard to play kids when you're striving for victories. You know, Graham Arnold got a lot of shit about saying it's not a development league, the A-League, but... I think what he meant to say is like it's hard to load in kids when you've got aspirations of the top. Look at sort of central, your central coast and stuff. When they're down the bottom and there's no expectations, you play the kids. You give them 15, 20 games and then you 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 reap what you sowed in two or three seasons. So to circle back, maybe not so much the recycling, but our recruitment has been subpar for a long time with the odd one that you strike gold 
Ola Toivonen, which then papers over gigantic cracks. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Budza, do you want to read out the next one? Uh, from Dan, Seclunatic09. Do you hold any hope that a sustained run of Cruz, McManaman, Gestead and Rojas finally being on the park at the same time can turn things around? This is a, a great question because it's been haunting us like a spectre this entire season because we just haven't had that. From round one through to this most recent round, it just hasn't eventuated. There's always been one of those missing. And we've always, throughout this season on this podcast, pointed to that as like, yeah, when all of that happens, it will be fine. The thing is, I think it would actually be better. I think outcomes in matches would be better if all of those guys were available. But the problem is that it doesn't ever seem to happen and you need for it to happen over a period of time. You know, it has to happen continually. And we're seeing right now that players are coming off at certain times and being brought off, you know, and we're not seeing that chemistry being developed on match day. That's when it needs to happen. They can train together all they want, but they have to be out there on the park together. And it comes back to what we were saying before about why not just start with the best starting lineup possible. So, look, hopefully that lesson is learnt from Brebner uh, this week. You know, and he's got the opportunity on Wednesday night to, to show us that he has learnt that lesson. We covered this a little bit in my little rant before, but I'll put this to you, buds. Uh, this is from Cubes, Cubes67 on Twitter. When are we going to play the youth? The season is a write-off. Get some game time into the youngsters like we did in the ACL. They performed and played better in the ACL. We need a transformation now. Well, I would I would say we kind of are. Um, uh, Triple L's been getting games. Um, Kedar's starting to get games. Uh, Brandon Lawton's had games. Uh, Brimmer's actually... Brimmer's youth still... Um, I would dare say the guys that haven't been getting games that should be getting games are Anderson and Barnett. Barnett and I, I, I've got a feeling Barnett might be getting the Lesiotis treatment at the moment and we don't know why we might be able to find out. I think it's worth we try and find out about that because he's definitely one that's shown a bit. Um, he's come. He came back from his knee injury and the... The performances that he put in last season were were decent and good enough to be playing in a team that's performing like this. So, um, I, I don't know why Ryan is getting any preferential treatment over Anderson because he's a loanee. We get nothing out of him, and he's possibly the biggest waste of space I've ever seen in a in a Melbourne Victory shirt purely on performance. It's it's ridiculous how um, ineffective he is and how weak he is and how um, bad at football he is. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 been quite amazing how a, an Ollie Ruse level player who's, you know, at a European club in a decent European league is so poor at A-League standard, but it's probably a measure of where the league's at this year. Well, we did say we were going to get the scalpel out. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> it's it's probably not one 
thing or the other with with Ryan. It's almost all the fundamentals. He gets on the wrong side of his defender. For a bloke that doesn't look small, he just gets pushed off the ball. Every clearing header seems to go to a bloke who can take a shot at the Mm. top of the box. It's just... Yeah, I mean... (laughs) What I saw of him at Oli Roo's level, I was I was quite bullish about getting some good value out of a twenty year old, but he almost doesn't seem up to the standard. Yeah, I, I just you know we've seen Zayden Bellows been on the bench. Um, ben Falami's another one of those guys that's not he's not an asset of the club. Um, I don't see anything, and dare say that if I said this uh, yesterday. It's a bit of an old... It's a really old school take, and I'm sure the younger listeners probably won't like it, but if I was managing this side and you turned up with... And you had... You'd, you'd achieved nothing at this club and you turned up with that fucking hairdo, you would be benched <laughs> until you shaved it off. Um, that's real Kevin Musket areas, isn't it? That's... <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not too old, but I'm old enough to probably have grown up with coaches like that in my juniors and... Um, and it's just like, nah, dude, no. If you want to be flamboyant, <laughs> nah, like you got to have the runs yeah, on the board. Y- yeah, you can score. You, if you can score at home against Newcastle, then you can peroxide your hair, Ben. But if not, you can fuck off back to Ipswich. Um, it's <laughs> fundamentals before fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's right. That's yep. right. And I think this is Sad where, but true. You know, I am. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'd, I'd actually, and, and look, look, or I'll get back to this question and point. I actually do think we've had some, we've had probably more youth this year than we have ever had. Ever, ever. So, um, unfortunately, it's not the youth that's the problem this year. Um, it's the formation, the system, the coaching, and the leadership, and there's a vacuum. And the culture. Yep. Great questions tonight, guys. Oh, it's mm. incredible. Uh, I'll f- look, we're down to our last three questions. We, we, this is going longer than I thought, but that's brilliant because our listeners just have amazing questions. This one uh, I'll fire at you, Clarky, is from Matt Butler on Twitter. It's clear issues are deeply ingrained in the club, not just coach and players, but higher up as well. How does a club legitimately rebuild completely? What should the VUC do? What clubs are the best examples that were in a similar position and then did a, then did a successful rebuild? Tough Jeez, this, is, um, this is a tough Good. one. But I mean, I guess what we've sort of alluded to this entire episode is, is it all starts from the top down. And, and if we're fair income about getting back to where we we should be because let's be real we always get laughed at and going oh Melbourne Victory you always think you should be there we should be there (laughs) the league needs a healthy and strong and competitive Melbourne Victory just as much as they need a healthy and strong and competitive Western Sydney Wanderers or Sydney FC we're one of the big clubs of of this competition and, and we need to and it needs to happen from from the top down like there's no ifs or buts about that uh Fruit Boy and his boys have had enough years to line their pockets uh, without really giving a shit about the club. And then he has the audacity to come to the season launch this season and it'll be different, this and that. We've learned from this and that. You haven't learned jack shit, pal. You've just learned how to fucking sign a few commercial deals, cash the checks, give jobs to some more boys. And, I mean... 
at the same time, it's like you got cucked by a bunch of fucking French bulldog owners over the whole Footscray Park thing. Like, at, at what point is are you not fit for the job anymore? The Academy. You know, ADP was all about he gets stuff done off the park. Well, you... You dropped the biggest ball of them all in, in youth development. So we have to clean out the board to start. The 2012 fans forum resurfaced today, the video of that from Twitter, and that was their big agenda talking point, getting the academy up and running. It's been nine years. Yeah. Wow. The, Is that that the, long the ago? Club with the, the club with the smallest budget that operates on the lowest bottom line in the league in Central Coast has an academy, has a bloody good academy. Look look what's happening there. Uh, it, it's just unacceptable. And and Seems to rebuild, like they... yeah, we need to completely rebuild. Um, but it needs we just to start did at it. the top. We just did it. <laughs> We just completely rebuilt. Six games in, we need to rebuild again. Like well, this- we did on the park, but off the yeah, park. Yeah, this is a this is a, a spill. A spill needs to happen. And Richard Wilson's bombs today. I don't know whether it's the start of a spill. You could take that two ways. What's happened here? But it's just it's for for the cynics out there. This is Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have two more questions left. I'm going to have to hurry it up a bit. But uh, this one's from Sudi. I'm going to throw this one at you, bud. Sudi, which is uh, at Mark014 on Twitter. I like this one. Is Johnny Anastasiadis the answer? Do you think he'd even want the job at present time, given the project he's a part of at Western United? Also, how do we sort out our defence before Wednesday night's game? Surely Anderson gets a look in ahead of Ryan. And does Lawton go to right back? I Look, Johnny Anastasiades was one that uh, a few of us thought would at least get an interview uh, when we were looking for a manager. Um, it ticks all the right boxes. Unfortunately, he's a coach with experience, so he doesn't fit the Melbourne <laughs> victory criteria. Um, and look, you have I to can pay def- him too much. Yeah, and, and look, he's ex South, he's ex South Melbourne, and he's Western United, so he definitely hates us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely hates us. And look, I can definitely see Rudan moving to one of the big Sydney clubs soon enough, and Anastasiades having that uh, that chair saved for him at Western United. So while I think he might be an answer, I don't think he'll be our answer, and I don't think he'd want to. He'd want to come over to us. Uh, how do we sort our defence out before Wednesday's game? Well, everyone's injured, bro, so those two are getting in for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Lawton's a lock to start, and I think yeah. Anderson's a lock to start. Traore's out. There's going to be some juggling yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right, last sure. question from our fans. Uh, this one's from Hutch, at Professor Hutch on Twitter. I'll leave this to both of you to answer. What has happened to Brimmer? From his performances in the ACL to the Perth game, I thought he was going to be the signing of the season. He's gone missing now. What's happened? Is it hard for him to perform with the dross around him? Or is the dross bringing others down? I think we touched on this a little bit before and that probably is a bloke that 
can't just stand out on his own, probably needs a bit of quality around him. Also, I think he's probably played the most minutes out of anyone in our entire team. So there's that. But then you, you compare to the ACL performances, he was going up against blokes in preseason as well. So it's probably that. Look, it's it's probably not one point, but he's definitely not continued um, from his ACL form. And that has been a little bit disappointing. Yeah, and he, I think he peaked early, but look, he's 22 and the fan base is, look, look, we're, we're in a perilous situation where mm. the fan base is looking for a 22-year-old who's brand new to this side to be the leader. It's to probably, save us. Yeah, to save yeah. us. It's it's very unfair on him. So, um, I, I, look, I'd, I'd like to see Jake Brimmer stay here for a couple more seasons because I think he'll grow as a player. There's definitely quality there, but definitely. You know, it's nothing... None of these performances should be hung up on him. And look, his performances and his goals got us our only win of the season so far. So um, <laughs> He's got more money in the bank than the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, he has. He has. But um, yeah, it's been unfortunate that he's gone a bit missing. But, you know, there's six, six of one, half a dozen of the other with his performances at the moment. Well, that brings an end to our listener Q&A segment for this week. Our, like eternal gratitude goes out to everyone that responded. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question. We will definitely do another one uh, before the season's out, I'm sure. We're going to take a little break now and just get on to the last meaty subject, the board and a few other items as well. Great management and quality control guru, W. Edwards Deming, once said, quality starts in the boardroom. Today, we witnessed something pretty interesting. Foundational board member and former managing director Richard Wilson sensationally resigned from the VUC board. There's so much to unpack here. Like, I'm going to start off on this, so I'm a bit torn on this. I... I recognize that it's a good thing 
for the strategic direction of this club to come under scrutiny. We've gone over this, mainly because, you know, FES has been banging on about this for a while, so I think it's good to see this topic of board direction, strategic direction, get some headlines. But equally, I actually think, and I think you guys might disagree with me, I don't know, but I actually think it was a little bit pathetic from Wilson, somewhat egotistical. I reckon if, if you're in his position as a director, you either stay and you try and fix things or you get out quietly without any fanfare. And as a director and former CEO, he's, he's accountable as anyone else is there within the four walls of the club. I've got a lot to say about the boy, boys club mentality, but I want to hand over to you boys to talk about today's events with the board. Yeah, I feel like I feel the same, and I thought his um his uh, performance on SEN was absolutely piss weak. Um, yeah, you don't yep. you don't go on you know you don't go on the it's the biggest twenty four seven sports radio platform in the city that your club's in to unload on the board and say no, then say nothing. He was just a blubbering old fuddy he just came across like a blubbering old fuddy duddy um and yeah you're right he's been you know part of the boys club and championing the boys club for a long time and um he's as part of the problem as he is trying to be part of the solution um i think this whole you know going out on the record and saying that he wants to sell his family's 20 percent stake to the fans and members is a whole bunch of horse shit um for one you know we're not really members we don't get to vote on the board we're just mm. season ticket holders and he was part of the executives of the club that blocked uh many years ago the motion to have you know that barcelona style fans uh purchasing shares in the club and having a say in how the clubs run mm. so it's all lip service and bullshit um but I do enjoy how, you know, his pettiness and throwing the toys out of the pram, for whatever reason they might be for, could eventually be the start of a board spill, which uh, is long overdue at this club, and I'd, uh, I'd love that. I think the most pathetic thing um, about this, the whole thing, was the club's response to this and the line that they put out uh, on the website saying, I think the board welcome his exit. Who the yeah. fuck says that? We welcome the exit. It's just like, it's wow. It's like they're not even it's, fussed that it happened. It's, like It's, it's a just like foundational bloody member of, that, yeah. of the, the, the origins of this club. Someone has just left in a huff throwing bombs on the way out, and that's the response. Just don't say anything. Yeah, and it's like he's Take gone in and ground. said, I'm just going to leave and go to Baldwin Footy Club. It's like you dickhead, and then <laughs> and 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 it's like this is where the club because we've had morons like yourself on the board running this joint. Wow, um, it, it's it's been a real eye opener to really how bang on the speculations been about this joint, and um, oh, it's just been it's been a very big day. I've kind of forgotten where I was going to go. I hope I can remember. Clarky, hit us, hit us, mate, hit us in the face. 
<laughs> well, I won't, I won't do that much. But look, I, I understand where you can go. You can question his motives and all that sort of stuff because obviously there's a lot of self-interest in people that are on the board for Melbourne Victory and making themselves look like roses. And, and he's just trying to throw the rest under the bus while he exits. Like, despite his motives, though... Somebody had to say some of those things and try and refute some of those things. These are the things that you guys have been saying for years, that I've been saying for years, that most people that actually give a shit and look at a deeper level have been saying these things. So despite his motives and despite the way in which he went about it, which is maybe classless and all that sort of stuff, that needed to be said by somebody who the general person, the the average person, the average punter is going to go, wait a minute, are there problems? Because the average punter doesn't dive into these board issues as much as you guys do. No, sadly not. But when you're an average punter, you're just there to see goals and all that sort of shit. So despite his motives, despite the way in which he went about it, despite how piss weak he sounded at times and and petty and all that sort of stuff and then it's it's clearly tit for tat because then we welcome his exit well it's a bunch of kids fucking throwing lolly bags at each other at a kid's party <laughs> like uh, at least somebody with some sort of profile has said what we've all been fucking speculating for for three four five years so yeah you know if anything good can come out of it at least it might open some eyes and put a little bit of pressure on the cozy boys at the top. That's what I see as being the positive here. This this story was big, big news today. Like Herald Sun, SEN prime time, you know, a lot of people listen to that radio station. And 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 I listen to it on and off. Most of the time, they don't talk about football. They don't talk about the alley. Yes, they've got their segments and whatnot. But this was like getting Talkback radio stuff today, people talking about the VUC. That doesn't happen much. And, of course, it takes a controversy of this kind for it to happen. But for me, the biggest issue here is, and and we've got some big things planned for next week's episode to talk about the downward spiral of things that have gone wrong since 2015 and potentially even before that. The biggest issue is this boys' club mentality from our CEO, the former commercial manager, the chairman and the select entourage of board. That's the cancer. That mentality, they all just assumed she'll be right. And like riding off the coattails of success. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, sniffing their own farts. And Wilson, I'm sorry, but Wilson was part of that clique. He's just running Mm. now and he's throwing a few bombs on his way out, dropping hints about selling shares so he can cash out without a loss. He's using this to mask his own culpability, right? So Mm. at the end of the day, that's that. Yeah, so I'm frustrated by this, but I'm also pleased in a way because all of this shit is like in The Big Lebowski, one of my favorite films ever. New shit has come to light. You know, when, when you figure out that something is about to come to light, everything else illuminates. Mm. Budza. Yeah, I enjoyed how he um, you know, shined a light on shit decision-making and also the, the interesting thing I enjoyed... Oh, no, actually, I didn't enjoy because this is people's lives and, you know, careers involved. It's, it's not just at the board level. It's not just on the field it's actually within the club staff. 
Yeah. It's a revolving door. They've got a new media manager every year. They've got a new membership manager every year. Like we, we try and engage with some of these people within the club. There's there's a new name. There's a new email. Um, you know the the social media team have um you know just upped and left. Um, there's there's a bit of a revolving door within the staffing there too, which is which is you know that all that kind of stuff is from the CEO down. And you know, says Trent, a lot about the culture. Says, says tons a lot about, about the culture. That that's where that's where the culture of a club is. The people that work within the club, and if they don't want to stay there, and you know, Melbourne Victory was at a point for a little while where it was bigger than a couple of the Melbourne AFL clubs that have been around for a hundred years. Um, you know, within ten years of its um, you know, ten years of its infancy. Um, it's gone downhill fast and there's been a lot of shit that this administration has taken for granted from the fan base, yep. from the initial success, from, you know, and Michael Lynch, you know, as impartial as he is at times, you can tell that he likes to throw the elbow into the ribs of Melbourne victory when he can. And he's made some um, comments in the last 24 hours a couple of times now that, you know... You Kevin claim Musket, you're the biggest club. Ke- yeah, but Kevin, <laughs> he's, he's, he's gone on the record now saying Kevin Musket didn't just leave because, you know, his time was up and he wanted to go to Europe. Kevin Musket left Melbourne Victory because he was sick of the way that Melbourne Victory was being run. Wow. Um, and that, that kind of resonated with me as well because... Yeah, he's a real football man and obviously, you know, everything's fallen apart since he left and um, it's it's really interesting and it's really sad about how, how bad things have gotten. But do you think the fruiterer and the the Clyde North display home king really give a shit? I, no, I, as long I, as they're looked after, it doesn't matter. And that lo- therein lies the problem. They don't actually care about the football club anymore, just what it can do for them. As long they as don't Lamana, care about Wilson as long as Lamana, yeah, that, oh, they, now, don't they, they don't care. No, they don't care. They're happy. They're happy, but they're probably unhappy about the bombs, and that's probably why Wilson's done it because he's like, "Fuck you! You only worry about yeah, your yeah. own brand. Um, I'm going to damage your brand today." And they, they they'll endure this, but I I am firmly of the belief that those shares they'll buy them. Is yeah, it, they'll buy them out. Hundred boys, is it a bit? of a cynical, so we say deeply cynical move to mention that you're going to sell your shares when you're quitting the board. Like that, that to me seems like somewhat cynical. Like, uh, and when it comes to the, the way this whole board situation is going, like we've had this narrative and a lot of people have believed this about the whole boys club thing and everything like that. But I think we've always said that, they just seem to not be interested in anything more than keeping this club going so they can leverage business deals off the vark. When the rubber hits the road as a football club, and we saw this in, in a very revealing tweet today, these guys just seem as hopeless as an, any old NPL committee. Like They're hopeless. You can throw as much money as at football as you want, but it doesn't make you a football person. 
And, mm. and we have no football people involved at the end of the day. They're hopeless. The Marco Kurtz hire was a hopeless hire. If everything since Kev's left has been hopeless. I think even look sacking Ernie and hiring Mehmet was hopeless. Every everything they've done pre Kev was hopeless. Like they got lucky with Kev, and you know and Ange, it, it, and, and yeah, and Ange too. But you know they didn't break ground with Ange. They poached Ange. We didn't break yeah. ground and hire a. a our greatest striker, one of our greatest strikers of all time in Bessart Barisha. We poached him from the other club that did the hard work in Brisbane Raw. It's just, mm. we we don't seem to be able to unearth anything from this club and it's, it's frustrating. There's no, there's no initiative. What we've done there, those two examples you, you've cited, Buds, is we've used our our profile and that wealth that we have outside of the salary cap because we're Melbourne Victory to go, well, yoink, Yoink! But like, whenever outside of maybe Ola Toivonen, whenever we, whenever we, just gone out on our own and found someone, and it's just completely broken the league, just changed things. It, it doesn't happen. It we, was it was Carlos, and that was before this administration. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it's been going a long time. I mean, you could even say that if Kev didn't win a title. Uh, titles um, that that was a lazy appointment. Ah, he was under Ange. It's fine. He's there. He knows what Melbourne Victory is about. Melbourne Victory and this board have been making lazy decisions for a long time, and occasionally one comes off that's good enough to paper over the the, the chasms that are in this club for at least ten years. Yeah, yeah. He just rolls in from his smoke break and sits down. And, All right, guys, what do you got for me? Pulls out a nectarine and... <laughs> what do you got for me? Box of mangoes for you, Mario. <laughs> oh. <laughs> fresh. Real fresh, oh, yeah. <laughs> boys, we, we promised that we would come in off the long run when it came to this whole board debacle today, and we certainly did. I don't think we... There were no prisoners taken today. It was just bang, bang, bang. And I thank you both for your insights. It was... Bloody wonderful! It was cathartic to get all of that out. I feel like, I feel like FVS is actually going to be the vehicle here, you know, in, in delivering some of the, the the messages and some of the change. Maybe we'll get Anthony DiPietro <laughs> on the podcast to answer some of these hard questions. Maybe he we won't. Will. He won't come on the podcast, mate. We've 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 asked and it was flatly no. We've even asked for Paul Trimboli and we've been rejected twice. We can't even get a W League player. This club have treated themselves like they're Manchester United for 10 years where, you know, we'll only speak to one person. It's it, it's it's ridiculous. We don't, we don't owe them and they'll never owe us anything and that that's where we stand here as an independent show. Yep. So... We'll keep trying though, and look, uh, let's let's put the the board thing to bed. Uh, we certainly not held back. Mother Nature 
going to beat Wellington? Oh God! What's what's your score? What's your score prediction, Clarky? Oh, we're going to absolutely <laughs> lose this. Davia is going to taste is going to feast on the tasty grass of Amy Park. Um, even with their injury woes, I, I can't see how we win this. So I'm probably going to say two nil to the Wollongong Phoenix. Uh, I don't know. Um, given the debacle at the back that we have right now, um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to back us in this. Uh, and I came out all guns blazing in the last podcast, saying we were going to beat Newcastle two nil. We didn't come close. Guess dead was a flop again. And is the lowest crowd ever? You know, this this could be the lowest ever crowd for a home and away our league fixture for us ever. Yeah. What's, do you know? What do you guys know anyone that is actually going to go to the game on Wednesday night? So mm. I've got a ticket. I'm going. Mm. Yeah. And okay. Basically, one. one other person from my crew is going, which is usually about fifteen to twenty strong. So there's an indication for you. Seven oh five on a Wednesday. Ooh. Ooh. I. I think it could be the lowest ever, but look where I sit. Devere's out, so they're going to be a is small. He? Is Devere out? Yeah, Devere's out Luke for Devere. Like three months. Luke, De- yeah. Luke Devere's out oh. for like ten to twelve weeks. Oh, sorry me. about Ulysses so, Devere. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Luke Devere's out for three months. So where I'm going with this is that you know Wellington are, are small and young at the back. Yep. So Gisted has no reason not to score. He simply exactly. must score. Simply must score. Yeah, that's fair. It, so, is it is it going to be the case, boys, that we have just spent the last hour absolutely bollocking Melbourne victory on just about every possible front you can imagine? We 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 have just not held back, and we'll come out and win this game, and the whole season turns around. We end up scraping into the finals somehow. <laughs> I know no, it seems I'd... comical right now, but that's that's the nature of podcasting, and yeah, you know, we have to put our opinions online on a week by week basis. This is how we see it now. Nah, nah, man. Nah, man. We're fucked. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of, it's fucked. Uh, Louis Fenton will probably have his way with us. Um, uh, Maratovic is looking good for them. Davi is a gun. Piscopo is a gun. Um, you know they've got way better players than us. They're playing better than Cam us. Cam Devlin will boss the midfield. Devlin, yeah. Oh, he's um, back. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, Dev, Dev. Um, and that game, Wellington Phoenix versus uh, the Wanderers, that was just after ours, was a banger. Banger! Yeah. They play they they play exciting. Yep. They're pretty high octane. Uh, I'd love to see the Mexicans come in come south of the border. Yeah, Oi. the Mexicans can come <laughs> south come of the border. Come to Mexico. Um, you know, our, 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 our police will treat you much better than this, the New South Wales police treated you. Um, <laughs> um, oh god! Yeah, it's been a good pod, hasn't it? Oh, it has. It has. It has been fucking awesome, and we've skipped over a couple of things. That we were supposed to talk about, but I don't know if I can be oh, bothered Macron. right now. Macron. Oh, How yes, good's yes, Macron yes. kit? 
So if it's good, uh, if it's good enough for Hajduk Split and Lazio and a few other big clubs, Udinese and them, um, yes. it's good enough for us. And the South Australian Futsal League, it's good enough for Melbourne. <laughs> so what the man of the people was talking about there is, uh, we have, and FES broke this story today, a new kit apparel sponsor for next season, I believe, or coming Ooh. soon. Macron taking over. Seen some mixed responses. You, you're pretty. Bullish and upbeat about this, Bud's up. Yeah, I, I think, look, I, I like kits a lot. I spend a lot of time looking at um, Chinese WhatsApp vendors um, selling selling good quality kits for good prices. Uh, I look at a lot of catalogs. I've probably got over 100 football kits dating back from 1996. I love them. And I don't mind what Macron's doing at the moment. I think mm. Adidas have been pretty lazy with what they've done with us. I think yeah. they're, um, the away kits this season's really good with the – with the city grid in it, I think it's a nice touch, but I just I don't like what they've done with this fan fan editions where they're like three times too big. Um, the away kit is generally a creative one that you can do. I think they've they've let us down in the last couple of years, and mm. um, everyone has this romantic attachment to an Adidas kit, and just I think they've probably produced one really really good home kit for us, and the rest of them have been bloody average. So um, Macrona, you know. There's a couple of these new, um, well, not new, but, you know, up-and-coming brands that are more niche, that are getting a lot of headway within the kit space, and it's quite all right by me. Yeah, with a slightly smaller manufacturer, we probably don't fall victim to just getting a template from a big one. They might put a little bit of individualism and creativity into it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, very good. That's a a real positive in this... uh, what a yeah, way to finish! Quite of, yeah, of negativity. Really Kid, good team, bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Look, uh, as I've said, and we've touched on repeatedly during this episode and last, like every time, like this this season so far, it's been a struggle to, I guess, not so much motivate ourselves, but to try and, I guess, extract blood from a stone that we've been extracting blood from quite a long time now and we're out of blood drops there's nothing else coming out so the i guess the board thing that happened today was yeah added you know gave us something else to talk about or something that we could really start to pick away at with some vigor so look gentlemen i I really want to thank you because you know i think we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of people listening to this one because everybody's focusing on the buck right now everyone's like yeah it's it's part of the australian culture People love it when the big guy falls and we are the big guy falling right now. So this is going to be an episode for the ages, I hope. And look, thank you both again. It's been a great episode. Mon the Vuck. Mon the Vuck, eh? Mon. <laughs>